It's episode number 194 of the Dogcast, and we ain't sitting around no barbershop. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 194. We are back in the bunker live. It is July. Old dog, it is almost time for football season, man. We are not far away now. Do you know how many days it is? Until 48. Fo- 48 days till we toe touches leather. And still in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Stillwater, Oklahoma against Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um... 48 days, old dog. we got to get back in the saddle here. We have been on a little hiatus. Dog fans, thanks for listening. We are back. I want to say a couple of things right off the bat. We are not, we did not go on hiatus because we were, you know, I don't know, scared or whatever whatever you want to call it about this thing in our last show. Old dog, it seems our last show caused a big, really a pretty big, Brouhaha. Is that is that I don't know if that's the term I'm gonna use or not. I'll go know. with it. You like brouhaha? I do. Dude, we got more traction out of our weight room show than we've ever gotten out of anything. And right off the bat, we want we're I'm offering our little rebuttal because we had people talking about us in the news. The AJC picked it up, rivals picked it up, talked to Coach Rick. There were guys over in the Gainesville paper writing about it, laying the blame for the problem at our feet. They said that we're no better than guys just talking at a barber shop and we should put out our sources and if we gotta name our sources and if we don't name our sources then the material's no good. Old dog, I got to tell you, you know, I don't know any reporter worth his salt that names his sources. And I got to tell you, if we had, you know, if our sources, can you imagine who's going to come out and say, yeah, I'm the guy, I'm the player who says that guys aren't working out, or I'm yeah. the coach that's complaining that people, those guys all work together every day of the year. You know, no one, well, they're not going to come out and come clean and, and, you know, I'm not giving up the source. Well, those guys, I mean, you know, the thing is, the guys, to start off with, let's hope that they are not graduates of the University of Georgia School of Journalism. Absolutely. To start with. I'm not sure they've graduated even from high school. Yeah. And, and, they, and if they were worth a shit, they would not be writing for the Gainesville, Georgia newspaper. No, come but on. That, but that said, let me just put something out. Talking about revealing sources on that. Guys, have you ever heard of Woodward and Bernstein? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Watergate scandal? And have you ever heard of a source named Deep Throat? That really wasn't his name. <laughs> I know. Exactly. It's the name of a movie. <laughs> Let me tell you, that, that being or so settled, I'm told. we are not giving up our source, but we yeah. I am standing by, we're standing by the story, but here's the, the greater and, and point. And nor do good journalists 
give up their sources, and we've never ever claimed to be good journalists. <laughs> no, and we I'm going to go on record saying I am not. Exactly. However, I'm not a journalist, good or bad. However, I'm standing by the quality of our story, and I have nothing else to say about it except for the fact that we have no ill will towards the program or towards Coach Van Hallinger or anybody. That's not the intent of the Dogcast. We got exactly what we wanted, which was to get the attention of the players and of select members of the coaching staff to let them know that the jig was up and they needed to get to work. I mean, how how do you, what kind of reporting did we get there, old dog? Rivals went to the players and said, "Hey, players, they say you're not working out. Are you working out?" And the players said, "Hell yeah, we're working out. Yeah. We're working out hard." And they go, "Well, there you have it. There's the story from the weight room. Players working hard." I mean, what kind of damn jo- what kind of investigative journalism is that? They're going to oh. say we're hacks, and that's the kind of questions they're going to ask of twenty-year-old football players. Yeah, I mean, what did they expect for the <laughs> for the players? Go, yeah, man, you got us. You got You're me. You're right, man. And, and by God, we're going to buckle down and we're going to work <laughs> real hard. From we're going to start working hard from now on. I mean, here's here's the deal. Uh, you know, we accomplished what we needed to do. You know, Van Hallinger, just like Willie Martinez, is one of Rick's boys that he's protective of. And, you know, we got it out there. It's not the little secret within the coaching staff anymore. The public knows what was going on, and hopefully it's been put to right. But the deal is the Dogcast accomplished what the Dogcast set out to do, which is shine a bright light on deficiencies in the program. Absolutely, and that's the only that's the only goal of the program. Because I want guys in better shape. I want the program in better shape. I want yeah. better performance on the field. I don't want a I running back from Tech to be able to rack up over 200 yards against our stellar defense. Yeah, no kidding. Did you see the uh, poll they had in the paper this week, uh, the AJC, where they they asked who's going to get more yards this year, the in, the fleet of Georgia running backs or the guy, the kid from Georgia Tech? Yeah. You know who's going to get more yards, and uh, we lost that. We lost that poll. You know, but I just want to say our goal always was was just to get the news out and try and get the program. Yeah. You know. Stop this thing from being a little wink and a nod between the coaching staff kind of thing and get it out there and make sure that the players knew that somebody is on to them and they really need to straighten up. Right, and kind of along those lines, and you brought up a poll, there was another poll in the AJC too that was near and dear to my heart. The question was, what team would win between the 1980 National Championship team and the 2007 Georgia Bulldogs, who, in my opinion, were absolutely robbed of being able to play in the national championship game. The blame lies at the feet of ABC and ESPN, and almost 90% of the responses were the 1980 team would win, even though they probably weren't as good an athletes. The main two, there were two reasons it stood out. First off, and Willie Martinez listened to this, they had Irk Russell as a defensive coordinator, and the damn defense had heart and wanted to play and played their guts out. 
They knew fundamentals. They knew where to be, and they knew how to tackle. The other is put your hand over your hearts, boys. Herschel Walker. Herschel there, Walker. There wasn't anybody on that 2007 team that could stop Herschel Walker. Matter of fact, there ain't anybody that's ever played college football <laughs> that could stop Herschel Walker. I agree, old dog. I Enough agree with said. you. Enough said, though. Uh, but now, because we got problems here in 2009. We got things to talk about in 2009. Hell, Derek, I don't, don't, I don't like don't talking to worry about... about... You don't need to worry about 2009. We can write this season off, but I tell you, 2010 is going to be great. No, no, we no. Have come got on. Every, we've got every stud recruit in the oh. world has signed up. <laughs> it is It is Christmas come early. Listen, old dog. I know, okay, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know we have thoughts about recruiting here on the show. And we, you know, players that are coming in 2011, 2012, you know what? I'll talk about them when it's time for them to play. I understand there's some kid that was born yesterday in <laughs> Valdosta. <laughs> Seven pounds, eight ounces, with the biceps of Zeus. <laughs> but and can already run a four two four. Exactly. I mean, he all is, this he talk. Was, he was so fast. He slapped the doctor and ran out of the delivery room. I think recruiting is something. If you're talking recruiting in July and August, it's because you ain't got anything to talk about in July and August. Like right. you know, real football players and real depth chart and real. Yeah. You know, so. You know, I, I take a lot of this. I, I know recruits are important. I know that. I know we're looking at these guys, and we've got people visiting and stuff. But can we can we get beyond talking about how awesome we're going to be in 2012 and 2011 and 2013? Like you said, old dog, if there was a national championship for recruiting, oh, man, we'd be contending, baby. We, we're Man, we're awesome when it comes to recruiting. But what are we going to do with these dang players we got on the roster in the depth chart right now? Let me let me throw something out real quick. David Green, David Pollock, three stars. Three stars each. Yeah. Hell, maybe total. That's right. <laughs> I, I I don't you know I don't Humitive. think I don't think when those guys signed anybody had a Woody over that. And <sighs> and look at what you got. Probably one of the greatest defensive ends ever to play in college football and the winningest quarterback in college football history. Right. So, as we often say, you can be the greatest thing in the world in high school, but until you strap on that red helmet with a G on the side of it and actually do something on the field. Make a play between the hedges. All you are is a bunch of big talk. (laughs) We know what Greg Hawkins says about that. Exactly. You ain't done nothing for me. (laughs) It don't mean doodly squat. So, We've got our uh, our Gainesville Times rebuttal on Van Hallinger. We've talked about recruiting and stuff. Now, um, one interesting thing along yeah. those lines, uh, undercover reporter up there in Athens has talked to some of the players, and basically the players from the coaching staff have been told, do not discuss it. We do not talk about our weight room habits, our practice schedule, our practice habits, work ethic, anything like that. They don't talk about it at all. That's right. Which, to me, old dog, as I know you know, confirms the fact that we've gotten our message through, and they know that uh, they need, you know, they're not talking about it. it. It's an issue that's on the table now. Yeah. 
And maybe it's this guy's not going to sign in for that guy. I know. Exactly. I mean, I, I still I get a real chuckle out of the fact that Rivals and Gainesville newspaper went and asked the players if they were working out, and they all said yes. I mean, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that's like when the police pull you over and say, son, have you been drinking? Yeah, I've only had two beers. I, I, I was so reassured when I heard the players say that they are working hard, you know? Yeah. Um. You know, I'm like the Congress. I'm like the guys that watch the Congress. Trust but verify. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Trust but verify, baby. If you're really doing the work, you don't mind it. You know, I mean, you don't mind a little verification. So, um, hey, what about this poll they did in the AJC about the greatest games ever? Did you see that? Did you see that old dog? Do you, do you I feel, do. You feel like not, talking and, about that? And not, yeah, and it wasn't the greatest games. It was the most memorable. That's true. That's true. It was the most memorable games and were they just talking about in Athens? That's what yeah. the most memorable games in Athens. That was the exactly. poll. The top ten most memorable games in Athens. You know, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because it was a good list. It was a really good, good list. There were a lot of good games on there. Your big game, old dog, uh, the George George Tech game, where but where a young Buck Baloo came out of nowhere. Absolutely. What you say is the greatest game ever to be played in Sanford Stadium. No, no doubt to me. Twenty nine. It was twenty nine twenty eight. Correct. Yep, that's right. On two point conversion, end around to Amp Arnold. You it said, was. Yeah, Buck Ballou comes off the bench. Buck Ballou comes off the bench in the first half, replacing Jeff Pyburn. Uh, a Ray Golf wannabe. Uh, uh, probably, I think, a five-star recruit, too, by probably the way. Probably was. <laughs> you know, as a defensive back or something. Yeah. You know, that they put him at quarterback. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just, it was really a magical day. I mean, we had punt returns for kickoff for touchdowns. After a punt return, we kicked off to Tech. Tech returned the kickoff for a touchdown. Tech got the ball to, to start the game, scored a touchdown. Pepper Rogers goes for an onside kick. They recover it, and they score another one. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I'll tell you what it was almost like. Going into halftime, the Tech fans felt about that game like we did last year's Tech game. Yeah. And it was over. It was done. And even though Vince Dooley trod as hard as he possibly could, to keep Jeff Pyburn in the game in the second half, he couldn't. Buck Ballou comes in and, with a little help from the rest of the team, wins the game. Uh, Two-point conversion at the end. We miss it. Tech is called for offsides, run and end around to Amp Arnold, who scampers into the end zone un- untouched. Mm. Fantastic game. That was, and that probably is uh, for people that were there, or people that that are of the you know particular age to remember that. That was a great game. The list included a couple of the Clemson games, you know, the the kicker battles between Kevin Butler and David Treadwell, the night game against Clemson that we had in the. Well, uh, now I don't know that it was David Treadwell. I think it was Iki Biki. Oh, Igwe Buikwe. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been. Who cares? Some Clemson kicker. Igwe Bukwe, right. Treadwell. Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly. But anyway, then you got the night Clemson game there in the uh, in the early 90s. Um, you know, you – but I tell but, you but, – and, and I go to this, you know, and, and this is why I made the distinction in the beginning. 
as far as greatest games or most memorable. Because I tell you, another one I'm going to throw out is the don't, whipping. Don't do it. Don't do it. Steve Spurrier put don't on. Don't do it. Oh, don't do it. Because I'm telling you what, I don't think there is a Georgia fan, living or dead, <laughs> doesn't remember that damn game. <laughs> Oh, God, old dog. I'm telling you what, I mean, you know, and it was most memorable. You're right. And that is really when the hatred for Spurrier, I think, was cemented. It was. When he came to Athens, you know, because he had all the preparations for the Olympics and everything and the stadiums. You know, I mean, uh, I'm telling you, the thing when he came to Athens and hung 50 points on us, more than 50 points. Yeah. That was the most, you're right, that was a memorable game. There is not a Georgia fan alive that does not remember that game. Right. Oh, And I wanted to add one to the list. I, I don't have the list. I need to put a link to the list in the show notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a link to this list in the show notes. It, it, this wasn't our original idea, but it was, I think it was part of the AJC or the, some blog or something that did it. But um I was going to put up my candidate for my personally most memorable game was the 1990 Georgia-Alabama game. Georgia was down uh, 16-3 to with a little less, I think, than a little less than five minutes to go. And it was just one of those games, old dog. I mean, we ended up winning the game 17-16. to And it was one of those games where... Um, where you just feel like you're just not going to win, you know, like you just can't win. I mean, it was so late. We had been so bad. We just, you just think you're, you just start to, you start to feel bad about the game. You start to feel like it's slipping away. Then suddenly you come back and you win in the last minute, 17 to 16. I'm telling you, the 1990 UGA Alabama game was a fantastic game in Sanford Stadium. I Lots mean, of good games, though. Oh, yeah. There's so many of them. I mean, you know, we had the Alabama game. Yeah. You know, when we, we actually, a train was stopped on the tracks. Waiting for fans to clear out. Yeah. And, Waiting and for the fans, fans to leave the tracks. I know. The fans didn't. The train came and stopped on Friday night mm. and didn't leave till Sunday morning. I'm telling you, man. There have been so many good games, and we're going to have a lot more good games this year, dog fans. You know, we've got some times out for those first games, too. You know, the opening game. Against Oklahoma State, that's a 3.30 kickoff, right, old dog, on ABC? Yes, it is. And then we've got, a, I think, a 7.30 and a 7.45 back-to-back the next a- actually, two weeks. Actually, it's a 7 o'clock it's, uh, against South Carolina uh, at home and yep. then a 7.45 uh, at Arkansas. Did you know that this guy – And a 3.30 kickoff in uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, I know. And, big, and I'm going out on there. And I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that the Tennessee Tech game is going to be a 1 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> it will be the one for sure 1 o'clock kickoff this year. Um, you know, and I'll tell you something else, too. You know, everybody's predicting about our season. A lot of people are saying we're going to lose three, going to lose four. This guy who claims to call, he calls himself Mr. SEC, old dog. Mr. SEC's got us going eight and four. But I think more importantly, he's got us going one and two in the first three games with losses to Oklahoma State and Arkansas. Going down one and two in the first three games and then not losing again until Florida and losing to Georgia Tech. He's got us losing to Tech, Florida, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State. Man, what do you think about that prediction? I, I'm, it's hard to say. I don't know where all this Arkansas love is coming from. Bobby Petrino, man, really? I mean, you know, I, I, he's – 
in my opinion, he's always been a little overrated, and I really don't see it with Arkansas. Now, I tell you, we're going to know a lot more about our team after the Oklahoma State game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, offensively, we've got some questions, and we're still probably going to have a lot of questions offensively going into the South Carolina game because Oklahoma's defense sucks. There's there's no other way to put it. But what's going to happen? And it may be Hawaii all over again, and I hope it is. But we're going to see if Willie Martinez and Coach Rick have taken last year's debacle to heart and have really made some improvements. Because the only way we are going to win that game against Oklahoma State is have a pass rush and have some defensive back play, which are the two things that were sorely lacking this past season. We're also going to need a lot of pressure on the quarterback, which makes losing Justin Houston even more important, you know, in my yeah. opinion. For that game, we're losing Justin Houston for that game, and I, I just hate that. But, um, but we're going to need we're going to need to come out strong, and uh, you know, as we have said many times, a good pass rush makes your defensive backfield look a whole lot better. No doubt about it. But so, I, I think that's going to tell us what we got because we know the linebacking core is solid. Right. But that's the only thing that we can count on defensively right now. Yeah. And they're going to have to prove themselves. Uh, you know, we should be, you know, decent up the middle with Owens coming back. But uh, it's not like Oklahoma State's going to do a whole lot of running. No. I mean, they're going to spread it out, and they're probably going to throw 80% of the time. It's going to come to speed at the end because we're going to have to get pressure around the ends, and we're going to have to have some great coverage. But we're going to, like you said, we're going to have to cut down on this kid's time to throw. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we, 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 you know, look, I'm not holding out any hope that we're going to be able to cover people downfield for a long period of time. So we're really going to need to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback right off the bat. No doubt about it. And, you know. And I think we, we can. To be honest with you, I'm going to tell you, I think we can. I think well, it being the first game of the year, I think it favors us more than it favors them. Because if I had to put a finger, and we've said this before, if I had to bet on one side of the ball, and I'm not talking about Georgia or Oklahoma State, just football in general, it's a lot easier to get your defense rolling in the first game of the year than it is to get your offense rolling. If there's going to be moving parts that are misfiring, it's generally going to be on the offensive side of the ball. So I think that set up early, I, I mean, I think that favors us. Well, and I hope so. And, you know, as we talked about in the last one, the biggest thing we've got is we are not going to have an offense this year, in my opinion, that's going to be able to win a shootout game. It's not going to be like LSU last year. We're not going to be putting 50 points up on the board against SEC opponents. Hey, you know, come on. I just don't think we got. We don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know about that, man. I just, I I don't, let's just say the jury's out on that. We no, still I'm not going to say that. We got a lot gonna, of offensive I'm, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, we won't score more than 28 points against an SEC opponent this year. Come on. So you're telling me now, what do you, so what are you telling me? We're, the loss of Stafford is just going to – is just cutting – I mean, all of a sudden, no, what, Stafford's loss, just – the loss of a running game. So it's it's really Moreno in your in your opinion. Losing yeah. Moreno and not having an adequate replacement for Moreno is really going to expose us. And, and, and Stafford, too. I hope Joe Cox comes through, but I'm telling you, he's not hes not the kind of quarterback I don't think that's going to win a shootout game. I'm going to – I don't me, think I, I don't think Joe Cox is going to lose us any games. 
I don't think he's going to fumble the ball in a crucial situation, and I don't think he's going to get picked for you know touchdowns and stuff. I don't think he's going to make any mistakes, but I don't see us as a big, high-powered scoring juggernaut. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, you know we got A.J. Green, who's a great receiver. He's going to be double-teamed. Somebody on the other side has got to step up, and we don't have a proven running back at all. Uh, you know, our best running, best running back coming back is is Caleb King probably. Yeah, man. And you know that doesn't yeah. that doesn't bode well. The the one shining light is going to be that outside of uh, Tanner Strickland, who's gone down for the year with a shoulder injury, we should have a great offensive line with a lot of interchangeable parts. Sure. We have lots of depth. We have more depth and experience on offensive line than we've had in, in a in a good while, a yep. really good three, four years at least. So that brings me to my next thing. I want to talk about – you're talking about Caleb King. I want to talk about the last contest question we had, and we got to talk about our winner, the, the great Jay Rivers Walsh question. I got to tell you, old dog – I was a little disappointed with our Jay Rivers Walsh feedback. You know, I mean, everybody yeah. went out and Googled Jay Rivers Walsh and came back with that article from Red and Black and told me that Jay Rivers Walsh was, you know, a fan of gay people or whatever. You know, he's a friend of the gays. Okay, look, that's not the story about Jay Rivers Walsh. Jay Rivers Walsh is no friend of the gays. Old dog, tell me, let's, let's go into just a real brief little bit about what made Jay Rivers Walsh great and why his office is in Memorial Hall. Well, back in the day, Memorial Hall was the student center. And that is where the student senate used to hold court. Uh, Jay Rivers Walsh ran and was elected president of the university student council or student senate back in the yeah, day. Yeah, he wasn't just a candidate. He ran and back, won. Right, and back in the day, the student senate actually had some power. They divvied up the student activity funds, which equated to a couple hundred thousand dollars. Activity fees on I mean, everybody's student activity fees. And I mean, we're talking about that was the stuff they used to appropriate money to the red and black, WUO, I mean, the, the radio station. Any, any organization on campus that wanted had money. to submit a proposal to the student senate and got money. And Jake Rivers Walsh came up with the great idea. He got a bunch of his friends to do a bunch of bogus act, a bunch of bogus organizations, filed with the university, requested funds, and lo and behold, they Bada got bing, They got the money. Jay because Rivers Jay Rivers Walsh, Walsh had, was the president of the student government. He had a great, great slush fund. Yes, and he did. Anyway, that after about two years, it caught up with Jay Rivers Walsh. He was exposed, and instead of taking the heat, went to the basement of Memorial Hall and hung himself. Yeah, exactly, and actually died, uh, committed suicide in Memorial Hall That's over right. the great student government slush fund, uh, slush fund gate, if you exactly. will. Exactly, and, and just and just to bring bring history up to date on stuff like that. After that, the divvying up of student activity money was taken away from the student senate. So basically, at that point in time, it just became something to put on your resume that you were a student, a student senator until I believe it was 1978 
when an organization called the Brewmasters ran <laughs> ran a professor at the University of Georgia, now Harold Mulherin, who did away with the student government at the University of Georgia for about completely, 20 years. Completely Absolutely. did away with it. Absolutely. Um, Just ran on the abolitionist ticket, and uh, that's it. And Harold is now a professor on uh, – in the economics department there at Georgia. So there, just a little bit of lore there for you, if you're, you know, because we're not, we're not just about football here. We we want to, a well-rounded audience. So Jay Rivers Walsh, he ran you, and he of course solicited votes from everybody because he really wanted to win because he had a plan he for, bought votes. for that money. Exactly. Absolutely. He flat out bought votes. He was the original. I mean, it, he had a regular Tammany Hall going there, man, and and uh, he, he did. Jay Rivers Walsh was a visionary politician in, in Georgia student government, and uh, you know we salute Jay Rivers he Walsh here. He was the here. Bill Clinton of his day. He really was, and uh, that's that's we just you know it was just a fun little trivia question, but the winner. I'm gonna even though I wasn't satisfied with any answer, nobody really got the answer right or the answer that we were looking for on, on the little history question. I do believe that Ally Dog, who is one of my favorite uh, tweeters on Twitter. Um, had the oh, right Lord. answer. I know, I know you love Twitter, don't you? Yeah, um, I love tweeting. But anyway, regardless of my 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 love of her tweets on Twitter, she was actually the first person to get in with that Google news about Jay Rivers Walls. So she's the winner of the Dogcast thing. And what she needs to do, Allie, if you'll email me at dogcast at gmail dot com, I'll send you out a Dogcast care package from our offices on West Broad Street to, I think, your offices, I don't know, at uh, Brumby or wherever. <laughs> I don't know where you live, Allie, but anyway. Um, so that's the end of that contest. Now we have a new contest, old dog. I'm going to let you roll out your idea for the new contest for this for this coming season, or the, for the, at least for the next show. All right. And what we're going to – well, and I think probably – Let's announce the winner on the off week before the Florida game. No, come on. I think, yeah, I think that'll give us enough time. How in the world are we going to know how we can name a winner going into the first game? So, so you anyway, want to make okay. this like a season-long thing? No, it's not season-long. Well, it just goes to October. Well, hell, okay. All then, right, here's the deal. Here's the contest. We have often, every year come up with a brand-new Kool-Aid for a player. This year, we want your responses because, quite frankly, we don't know who the go-to guy is going to be for the Kool-Aid. What Kool-Aid are the Georgia fans going to be sipping this year? And I'm going to throw out two things. First off, no Caleb King Kool-Aid <laughs> because there are way too many people in the Atlanta area that have already been sipping on that. And... We at the Dogcast think that is a very, very bitter drink and very hard to swallow. <laughs> yes, it's hard to swallow. Now, I'll give you that. Now, I am going to throw out my, my your, proposal. Your, your idea, your recipe. My idea for it, but this is in no way going to be the winner. I'm throwing out A.J. Green Kool-Aid, and the A.J. Green Kool-Aid is Firefly Sweet Tea Vodka. Because both originated in the Low Country of South Carolina, 
So a little Firefly Sweet Tea Vodka with a little lemonade mixed in. That's the A.J. Green Kool-Aid. And right now, that is what Old Dog is gearing up to be sipping all I'm, season I'm long. I'm throwing it out. But I'm just saying, we really don't have a go-to Kool-Aid going into the first game in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Well, I think the way the contest needs to work, Old Dog, is everybody's got to get in their, their entry, their idea, for what and then they we're going to see who's and then we'll up. see who wins and what yeah. Kool Aid should we what Kool Aid should we be drinking and that's why I say we need to have a few games under our belt before we can declare a winner. But we need people to make their case before Oklahoma State. Oh, absolutely. For, for whatever their recipe is, and then we'll decide. We'll 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 take it to the Dogcast Advisory Committee and decide the winning recipe. And the open date before the Florida game. I think that's based a good on idea. matter of fact. Let's throw something else out. We're going to let the count decide which is the best thing, which is the best Kool Aid. Count Van Gorp. Yep. Oh man, if you're going to bring out the count, you're bringing the count out of cold storage to judge the Kool Aid contest. I love it. Absolutely. That is, now that's and a contest. that'll be and that'll be that'll be the theme of our off week show. Oh wow. Okay. That and knowing, that's and knowing a the count. Knowing the count in that off week before the Florida game, I'm sure he will sample a large portion of every Kool-Aid entry there is. Just to make sure that he has, you know, a really well-rounded view of all the entries. Absolutely. And what a better time to announce the winner of an alcoholic beverage <laughs> the week before the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville. So, dog fans, that's the contest. Get in your recipe for your favorite Kool-Aid. What is the Kool-Aid that we're what all going to be drinking this what year? What is the Kool-Aid du jour? Is it Willie Martinez Kool-Aid? Is it Dave Van Hallinger Kool-Aid? Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, is it Prince Miller Kool-Aid or Joe Cox? You know, what are we What are we really going to be uh What's what's going to be what the hot Kool-Aid new flavor? What Kool-Aid are we going to be sipping? <laughs> what's going to be the hot flavor this season? Um... Last thing I wanted to cover, old dog. We got to wrap this show up, but last thing I want to cover. Did you see those new cutoff scores? The new cutoff yeah. scores for season tickets this year down from ten five last year, ten thousand five hundred cumulative points. Wink, wink. To forty two hundred points. Um, that is a significant drop off. This is the best year ever if you wanted to get in on some season tickets. Yeah. And, uh, you know. I was surprised man, at the pull. I, I, you know, what in the world would happen if we lost to Tech again? You, they might be giving you points to buy tickets. They might be giving a slice of pizza and free parking. You know, I, I tell you Ooh, what, it, it really is, it really, it's something. And I guess a lot of it has to do with the economy. And, of course, some of it has to do with the expectations we had last year that were extremely high and possibly mediocre expectations of this year. Well, that's true. And you know what? Even though we did lose to Georgia Tech last year, they're still the home of swine flu-infected terrorists and always yeah. will be. And, and also speaking, guys speaking who don't of, like of swine flu-infected terrorists, I can't let the show end without talking about one of our favorite Bulldogs, Lauren Smith. Oh, yes. <laughs> Speaking I, of swine flu-infected terrorists, how's Lauren doing? I read that Lauren, uh, Lauren Smith injured in a car accident. Lo and behold, Lauren Smith is in France, which is a great place for a little lily-livered son of a bitch like Lauren Smith to be. 
<laughs> Where else and, would Lauren Smith be? Right. And my guess is he's probably over there covering the bicycle race, <laughs> which, you know, just Which is a would, very would Lauren Smith him. kind of thing totally. to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, Lauren Smith cut his head and bruised his ribs. I was actually hoping he had bit his tongue off. <laughs> I heard he broke some ribs. Yeah. I you know, broke, but anyway, bruise, whatever. Anyway, he's he's back. He's in Athens, and apparently will be mumbling on the sidelines for years to come. <laughs> Lauren, what do you got? I've got a broken rib. I got a couple broken ribs and a big <laughs> and thing, a display, but, and but a boy, France lung. was great. <laughs> Dog fans, that's going to just about wrap it up from the from the bunker here. 60 feet down underneath the turf of Sanford Stadium, the hallowed turf of Sanford Field. We appreciate you listening, dog fans. If you've got any comments, give us a call at 706-534-1516, or you can email us, dogcast at gmail.com. And Alley Dog, send me your mailing address. I will mail you a care package at... You can email us at dogcast at gmail.com. We really appreciate you guys listening. We are not just shooting the breeze at the barbershop. We actually are bringing you news that is relevant and timely. And if you need to know anything about the Bulldog football program, we will tell you. That's and right. There's nothing, and if we don't there's no damn you, player, you don't need to know. <laughs> exactly. There's no damn player that's coming in 2012 that you need to worry yourself about right now. What you need to worry about is pressure on the quarterback in 48 yeah. days. And, okay? and, right. And defensive <laughs> backs that can cover. And if you're excited about our, our 2010 recruiting class, then you need to quit listening to us and go over to the dog vent. Exactly, because players that ain't going to play till next year ain't doing us no favors now. They're going to play next year. They're just going to come. <laughs> you know, we're worried about what's going to happen in 2009 with, with seniors, <laughs> juniors, and sophomores. Dog fans, thanks for listening. We are having a hell of a good time. We'll be back in about a week or so with uh, the next show. So thanks for listening. Well, it'll probably be about two weeks, and then once we start, once we start practicing, uh, you know, getting things going, we're going to start going again. But and I tell you what, I'm going to say two words, and it's the last time we're ever going to hear them. Matt drills. (laughs) Go dogs. 